Hello, I am Ariel Munafo. And I am Moshe Ferber. And this is the Silver Lining Podcast. The podcast about security engineering. Hello, everyone. Another episode of Silver Lining. And with me, as usual, Moshe. How are you, Moshe? Very good, Ariel. Good to see you. Thank you. Long time we didn't uh, record a, an episode, but uh, we are happy to have with us also Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm doing good. And uh, thank you, Moshe and Ariel, for reminding me. This is a great opportunity. Perfect. So we are now uh, still recording the episodes, the series of episodes about the Cloud Security Alliance working groups. And today we are going to focus on the DevSecOps working group. And uh, uh, Sam with us is the uh, co-chair for, uh, for this working group. But first of all, I will allow Sam to introduce himself. So Sam, a couple of words about yourself and your background. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Sam Segal. I'm the co-chair of the Cloud Security Alliance DevSecOps Working Group. And as a co-chair, I'm responsible for leading the creation of various technical actionable guidance on how to implement DevSecOps in your organization. And outside of that, I am a, the lead of DevSecOps program and various other security initiatives at Dell Technology. I'm also the author of many uh, courses on LinkedIn learning program as well. Okay, perfect. So thank you. First of all, thank you for joining us. And second, thank you for your contribution to the community. Let's dive in. I mean, okay, let's start with DevSecOps. A couple of years ago, this world even didn't exist. Can you give us a couple of words about what is it and why is it important and why are we talking about it? Actually, there are many definitions of DevSecOps, uh, but some are very complicated and long dwindled, but I like to keep it short and simple. And the, the definition that I prefer goes something like this. DevSecOps is the practice of integrating security at every stage of SDLC or software development lifecycle. Uh, but we also need to keep in mind that this definition needs to be contextualized in the current environment because a lot of things have changed as you called out Moshe earlier that this term was not popular. In fact, if you look back last 10 years, a number of paradigm shifts have happened. Security is now in the hands of developer. I will talk about this in a second. Uh, we have continuously integrated and development pipelines also called CICD. We have microservices-based architecture, API-based interactions between the processes. So a lot of things have changed that has made, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's made it important for us to start bringing in the word of DevOps and hence the emergence of the term DevSecOps. I can say just one thing at the beginning, they were DevSecOps, but also they were referring as DevOpsSec. So it was, <laughs> it was really a nice, a nice talk when, when we started about DevSecOps. So Moshe, please continue. I, I, sorry, I, I was muted. Yeah. I also said that I, I heard this, this Sec DevOps, DevSecOps, so there are right. various <laughs> changes. But I think industry has kind of converged on DevSecOps. That's yeah, the yeah. most common. And yeah. I heard, Moshe, you asked me about the second question, why is it important? And mm -hmm. uh, if I could address that as well in a few in a couple of minutes. So there are a few value propositions that you get from implementing DevSecOps. The first one is reduce complexity. Uh, because now security is part of the DevOps and the internal development operational framework, you don't have security coming in 
in silos and separately and then being overlaid. It is part of the entire ecosystem. It's part of the workflow. And it's just at, it's, it's at par with the other testing methodologies. Security is no longer something different. It's actually a business feature. You can't sell a product without security. So if you follow that, it reduces complexity. It allows the teams to be more agile. You know, it allows them to ship product features quickly, but with security baked into it. And lastly, it allows the teams to continuously measure uh, what are the security outcomes. So irrespective, so regardless of how security is done, you don't have to go and look at somewhere else, but rather security is embedded in your dashboards, in your metrics, just like you would track your performance metrics or scalability metrics or your bug tracking system. Okay, I, uh, I understand, I completely agree with that. Uh, so tell us, so we understand that DevOps is, uh, is important, we don't understand now DevSecOps. What is the CSA DevSecOps working group is doing? Yes, uh, Cloud Security Alliance um, established a joint partnership a few years ago with SafeCode, and the both organization created a working group called DevSecOps. And this was done a few years ago, and the charter of the group was indeed to give actionable guide, guidance to the practitioner of DevSecOps. Uh, there was a lot of confusion in the industry, you know, how do if you understand the DevSecOps is important, but how do you go and implement it? So this working group was created to solve that problem. And the way it solved this problem is by creation of a systematic structured framework of breaking down the problems of DevSecOps and then helping people address them and solve them one by one. And we'll talk about what those, uh, what that framework looks like, but that was, uh, you know, that was, that's a few words about the working group itself. Okay. And uh, where do you stand currently? What have you released? What? Uh... Yeah, so first thing, uh, you know, which was the most important, I think most important paper, uh, which was published in the beginning was an overview of the six pillar documents. So think of these six pillars as the key ingredients in the recipe of an organizational program. So, so that's the first paper that was published. And then, the, the, and then there are uh, individual papers that go deeper into each uh, pillar one by one. So we have already published four pillars. They are already available. So I encourage uh, you know, audience to go and, and read those papers. And at the moment, we are working on finishing up the remaining two pillars. Uh, and as we talk about those pillars, you know, I'll give you which ones are published, which ones are not yet. But four of them are, are available uh, for the general public to consume and two are in the progress right now. Okay, so uh, without further ado, let's dive into these pillars and uh, check them out. Um, the first one, I think we'll talk about the collective responsibility. Can you give us a couple of words about it? Absolutely. I think uh, collective responsibility, uh, it starts with mindset. And you know, if you think about a team or organization that is looking to implement DevSecOps, you, know, you wanna make sure that folks within the organization have the appropriate mindset when it comes to security. And we need to instill uh, the thought process that security is not separate from business. In fact, it is one of the key important function of business. And we need to make the users the first line of defense. 
Now it may sound like cliche, you know, but but uh, you know, the, the the important factor that is critical to success of DevSecOps is realizing that security is everyone's responsibility. Uh, and this paper gives the other or the readers um, uh, guidance on how do you instill this collective responsibility model in the minds of the entire organization. And you could think of this as, as fundamental because the papers or the pillars talk about a lot of technology aspects, a lot of automation and, and, and compliance and, and implementation, but we need to start with the mindset. We need to start with the right philosophy of how do we approach DevSecOps and that's where this paper comes handy uh, as part of that. So, okay, so collective responsibility is the first pillar, and it's talked about the fact that security is everybody's responsibility and not, a, not an isolated island. We can definitely relate to that. Let's talk about collaboration and integration. Yeah, so collaboration integration is, I think it's, it think of this as the glue, as the, as the, 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 the fabric that brings the organization together. So when we talk about collective responsibility in the first paper, that's having the right mindset. But once you have the mindset, how do you how do you make sure that there are folks who are talking to each other, making sure they have common goals and not appearing in silos? And the first principle of achieving that is not to build, uh, not to confront. And if you go back in history, you know, security has the kind of reputation of coming in at the last stage and asking or demanding for evidence of control and then you know uh, approving or not approving a certain release that's not the way devsecops would be successful so the advice uh, as part of this paper is do not confront but rather build partnerships in fact it encourages for security teams as much as possible to be part of the design team to be part of the devops team and and maybe even even uh, uh, you know again uh, depending upon the resources be part of a one scrum team. But I also can understand that the, the audience might well say, we don't have that many people. We don't have so many resources. So, so there are some avenues, uh, leverage security champions. Uh, if you don't have a security champions program, establish that and the security champions will become your arm or your liaison into the development or DevOps organization. Use that to achieve the scale. Uh, leverage security training. Uh, a, a well-trained developer or an ops engineer, um, think of this as your most effective uh, resource in making sure that you don't put bugs into the software. You can run as many as tools as you want, uh, but having a trained professional write a good code is probably the, the, the least expensive and most effective approach. So I think this paper goes about uh, how do you instill a culture of collaboration, integration, and leveraging each other and helping each other before you start to go into the technology and technicalities of DevSecOps. Okay. So, so mm -hmm. at, the, at the end, SM, uh, we are talking about uh, um, making a, a culture about uh, DevSecOps and connecting the developer team and the, and the security team, uh, but still the security team is the one that needed to to push the security, right? It doesn't come a lot from the developers. Correct. I mean, if that would be the the you know the the quote unquote the historic or status quo mindset, but 
you know, success of the program or successful of this transformation depends on gradually instilling the responsibility or sharing the responsibility that security organization is an enabler. It's not a blocker. It's here to help development teams. And here are some of the practices that we have or the security teams have. And then how do you enable the DevOps team to take advantage of that? And second is being able to speak each other's language. As a security professional, we don't need to go and talk, just talk about controls, risk, and mitigation. We also need to understand what language do developers speak and how can we, or what tools do they use? Can we be in the place and the time where they are rather than going in and saying, you know, you shall not do that or you shall do the following things? Okay, M moving briskly to the next one, pragmatic implementation. Yeah, so this is where kind of the rubber starts to meet the road is, um, you know, there uh, as organizations are looking into DevSecOps, or any sort of transformation, and this applies to you know any program or project. You know, you'll find a number of different tools. You'll find a number of different vendors and solutions. And we don't want to be um, we as a, as an implementer. We don't want to be uh, blindly influenced. We need to look at how do we implement in a pragmatic way. And that's where you need to take a step back and look at what how can I take these isolated siloed solutions or tools, uh, I'll give you some example as well, uh, and not just throw them towards the development teams and DevOps team, hey, go, go use the static or analysis tool, go use this dynamic, or how can we architect a pragmatic solution that integrates security scanning, security verification, security design, or testing activities in a manner that fits into the existing uh, model of a develop, development team. So it's thinking when working backwards from the framework, from the workflows that developers have, and then instilling the set of tools in their, in their, uh, in their workflow. And I'm just jumping ahead, but if you go and read the automation paper, it actually introduces a very nice uh, workflow of development community or developers, and then overlays security controls on top of that. So I'm jumping ahead, but I just wanted to call out that Pragmatic implementation uh, relies on the fact that we need, we shouldn't just throw in tools here and there, but think holistically. The other, the other uh, subtlety about pragmatic implementation is, you know, we need to use hooks. And what I mean by hooks is that every organization has existing processes. I'll give you an example. If you have a product management lifecycle, you have an offer development lifecycle or program management workflows, those those frameworks have existed for many, many years. Can we go and embed security requirements or security uh, uh, techniques and anchor them to existing workflows? So then the advantage is you don't have to go and introduce a yet another workflow, but you're piggybacked on the existing workflow. It just makes the job easy. It's just a, uh, I think it's a, it's a creative technique to take advantage of the existing processes and, uh, and attaching the security requirements or security activities to those. Okay, uh, moving on, <clears throat> bridging compliance uh, and development. Yeah, so compliance, uh, you know, as, as we know is, is required. I think most of the companies, whether you are in financial healthcare or even in general, you know, there are always some regulatory requirements or some, some customer driven requirements that come into picture. And what ends up happening is that at that, 
those requirements become a long checklist. And what ends up happening is you'll have somebody from compliance team will, will be asking a ton of questions and the developers will be filling in the answers. Uh, but I think we can, we can, DevSecOps can help with that. So the question here is how can we take the model of DevSecOps and integrate and bridge it with the world of compliance? So the, the way to do that is if you think about developers statement or word or their response to question, it's actually not a true evidence. Yes, it is. They're saying it, we, we trust them, but we need to think beyond developers word and we need to think about how can we embed security controls or verification activities directly into the developer's workflow so that at the time of a compliance report, all they have to do is they have to go to a dashboard and it just it basically gives you what checks were run, what checks were not run without even having to ask a developer. So this paper goes into the details about how the world of compliance and how the work of developer have typically been parallel but separate, but where are the convergence points and how can we make the two sides work seamlessly with each other? Okay, moving on, automation. Yeah, so automation is, is critical. In fact, um, uh, I was one of the co-author of this paper as well. And um, um, the, the automation gives us agility, gives us speed. And when I say us, meaning everybody within the organization, most of the teams who are leveraging devs, DevOps, they want to deploy very quickly, you know, in terms of whether multiple times a day or weeks. Uh, if you're, not, you're no longer releasing, you know, once in six months. Granted, there are some slow moving products, you know, that are shipped maybe once a, twice a year, you know, speaking of hardware products, but most of the software firmware products are shipped and developed uh, in a rapid fashion. So automation is, is our friend when it comes to, um, uh, you know, being at the same pace at the DevOps speed. So then the question to ask ourselves is, what does automation, automation mean for security? because if your security needs to be in that triangle of DevSecOps, it needs to be able to move. So this paper will actually uh, gives you uh, or gives you the audience um, a framework of how to think about the developers or DevOps teams, uh, pipelines, their workflow. Uh, take, take an example, you know, uh, developers are, are going to their Git, uh, their, their IDEs and then committing the code and which then triggers the CI CD pipeline, which eventually then deploys to production if everything goes well. Um, so that's a, think of this as an assembly line and that is producing a widget. But how do you take security and, and make part of that assembly line? And uh, the paper actually talks about the, something called the trigger points or opportunities. So you think about where are the opportunities where you need to be able to make a decision when it comes to security. So let's start from the left, uh, you know, the IDE of a developer, that's where they write the code. What if we, we can give them feedback right there in the IDE, you know, what's your code uh, has maybe some security bugs. So security ha team has an opportunity to maybe offer some plugins and many tools in the market do offer that. And that will be the most, uh, I would say the least expensive way to fix a bug. And you can imagine the most expensive way for it to be discovered is having a customer or an attacker find this in a deployed code. So giving this power in the hands of developer will be the most efficient way to do it. 
But once you've done that, uh, because not every vulnerability can be discovered at the, in the ID. And then you, when, you, when the developer merges the code, uh, you have a different level of security verification checks can be done at the, uh, at the pull re uh, merge request. Uh, you don't want a bad code to be become part of a, a, an upper level uh, branch uh, without having to go through maybe the open source reviews or software composition analysis or um, uh, you know, some other uh, maybe code coverage or, or code quality. So that's another opportunity for us to, to take advantage of. So automation paper actually gives uh, the, the audience a number of opportunities where they can come in and, and plug in the security, uh, security activities. Uh, and as you can move, move forward to the right, then you talk about the CI and CD state. Um, in the CI stage, most of the developers today would be maybe creating a Docker image. Uh, well, we don't want to run a container with a, uh, with, with, with an insecure um, uh, or unsecure Docker image. So how do we do that? We, we run a container image scanning before we even do anything with, with that image. And if something bad is discovered, uh, we stop that and we let the developers address it. So hopefully you can get a sense of it, how uh, you know the principles of defense in depth and shifting left as much as possible allows you to build security via automation. Now, I'm not gonna talk about how do you actually go and automate. There are many off the shelf tools. Some companies do invest in in-house uh, integrations. There are some companies out there that offer full-fledged platforms that take care of the automation part. So there are many options and some may work for your organization, some may not. But I think being mindful of these trigger points, these opportunities and bringing automation into the picture is gonna go a long way in making sure that the developer experience doesn't get compromised if you're thinking about security. Okay, and lastly, very fast, measure, monitor, report and action. Yeah, so you know, I believe strongly believe that what cannot be measured cannot be improved. And the second part of that is, if you want to communicate to uh, the security leadership, the business leadership, uh, or even to our bo uh, board members, what is the impact of the programs we need to be able to uh, measure? We need to be able to track, we need to be able to report it. And, and, and that's why this, this, this last pillar, which I think is, is, is one of the key pillar is to be able to have the right instrumentation in the entire developer DevOps workflow. So we can not only capture data, we can store it, but then also being able to create persona specific reports so that when the developer wants to go and address something, they have a very unique interface or very unique report that tells them that this is where your, 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 your uh, uh, security issues are, go and fix, and here is where you can go and, and address it. Maybe even give them some recommendation. Uh, so that's a developer focused view. And then you can have a security uh, risk based view, you know, how many uh, of all the programs that we have in an organization, how many are actually uh, following the secure development lifecycle, how many are addressing, how many are maybe pushing to production uh, without fixing. So, so those are some of these uh, um, uh, uh, reporting tools that we can build. And lastly, uh, at a very high level, an executive level dashboard that gets refreshed uh, at, at you know, maybe at 24 hours of real, real time. The, the, the point is that we need to be able to have the proper instrumentation and the mechanism to take the data out of these trenches and build actionable metrics and reporting out of that. Okay. 
perfect. So those were the six pillars of um, DevSecOps. Uh, in a minute, I will try to summarize them all. But I have a question uh, before that. Can you tell us a little bit more about the roadmap of the CSA DevSecOps and where are you going with uh, with this? Absolutely. Yeah, so the first, uh, I think we what we are what we call is we are in the phase one of, uh, of the working groups roadmap. And we're, what we are doing right now is we are setting the foundations. Foundation meaning um, we talked about six pillars. So our goal is to finish all of the six pillars, uh, publish these, those documents, those papers, and make it available. And that will make sure that all of the, 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 the readers or the audience have a common understanding and a common framework how to go and implement it. And then we enter into what we call the phase two. And we have already been discussing about, you know, what will that look like? But just to give you a sneak peek into what phase two will look like, it will build upon the foundations of six pillars and will uh, give use case or problem specific guidelines. So one mm -hmm. example is, and there are actually many examples, but some of the, the top of the mind are, uh, you know, uh, so once you know these foundations, how do you use these foundation to secure uh, your SecOps or SRE functions? Because that also can be modeled for, uh, based on your DevSecOps uh, journey. Uh, how do you take the similar, uh, uh, similar practices that we talk about in six pillars? How do you take uh, that for uh, MLOps, AIOps? Because a lot of teams are now developing uh, and leveraging uh, AI-based technologies uh, and and kind of some of those those paths of building training and testing and deploying those models run in parallel and may not be as mature as the traditional application development. So what can we do to to bring them into the fold of or apply those best practices? And um, you know when we talk about um, uh, infrastructure as code, you know so that's another paradigm where these can be applied. So there are many use case specific problems. So our, our phase two will be focusing on taking a use case and applying these principles and giving something more tangible, something more specific guidelines or guidance to our readers. Okay. okay. For uh, summer, uh, for the end, can you tell us a couple of words about different uh, DevSecOps myth that uh, we want to break? Yes, yeah, so there are actually many, but I think the two I will highlight, highlight is, um, and I think most of the, the folks, you know, who have been in the space, whether in IT or security, uh, we love tools. We love our, you know, the, the software and, and, and whether it's open source, commercial, and it's, a, it's, it, it's tempting to look for a tool as soon as we find a problem. But I think we need to start thinking about differently. And we, we shouldn't be biased with what I like to call the tools coma. I mean, you're so embedded in tools and you think tools will solve the problem. Tools will solve the problem, they are necessary, but I would start with the problem statement. I would start with the solution, maybe with the, with the overarching platform. And then think of tools as a building, a set of building blocks that help you solve a need. Uh, wouldn't start with the tool and then work from there back to the problem. You know, if you have, if you know of a hammer, you probably would use hammer everywhere you, where you see, uh, even though you can't use it. So, so I would, I would demystify or debunk that, that rely on tools, but don't, don't think about tools as the only solution. Think holistically what others needs, what other factors needs to be considered. So that's myth number one. 
And second is, uh, the myth is that DevSecOps is not a business problem. It's a technical only problem or it's a security only problem. I think uh, all of the participant in the DevSecOps triangle needs to think of this DevSecOps as a business problem in a manner that uh, whatever we are doing, we are trying to reduce the risk for the organization and being able to communicate that uh, reduction of risk to the executives. If we can speak that language, if we can connect to that, uh, getting the funding, getting the resources and getting the support that we need to, uh, to build all of the six pillars is gonna be very important. And I can tell you from my personal experience, you know, we, it's easy to talk about security, champions training, collaboration. Sometimes you need executive support. Sometimes you need the executive mandates. And in order to get that, we need to be able to connect the, the underlying pieces to one level above and being able to speak, what does it do for the business? And it'll be easier to get those buy-in and those support that you need from the businesses or the executives. Okay, so thank you for breaking those myths. Um, uh, time for, I guess, uh, final words and uh, summarize. So if I'm uh, trying to summarize everything we just spoke about, the Cloud Security Alliance Working Group, DevSecOps Working Group, is creating knowledge around uh, uh, currently the pillars of uh, DevSecOps. And we talked about collective responsibility, that security is the responsibility of every one of us, collaboration and integration. We need to collaborate the entire organization to work with this. We need programmatic implementation so we can uh, implement things uh, uh, securely and fast. We need to bridge the gap between compliance and, dev and development because compliance is not just, just a checklist. Everything is related to automation because we need to do things automated and fast. We cannot wait. And of course, we need to measure, monitor, report, and action everything. So uh, developers will know exactly where he did wrong and what, what bugs he need to fix. And for the future of the working group, we uh, you are going to basically add more uh, use cases and knowledge around the different pillars and use cases for DevSecOps. Anything I just missed? No, I think you covered well. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to add for a summary? I want to add something, Moshe. I want to uh, join the, this group. The DevSecOps? Yes. <laughs> yes, because I, I am I am a, a, a part of a few uh, CCOs, and I think that uh, this is a, a, a thing that is uh, forgotten. And uh, and I, I wish uh, if uh, Sam will get me to uh, try to be a part of, the, of this. I think it's very, very important. Okay, so in the absolutely, you're you're most welcome. Happy to reach out. You know, if you reach out to me, I'll connect to the right folks, and and they will they will make you part of the, the group. Thank you. And those guys who are listening, we will put a link to the DevSecOps working group in the episode webpage, and then you can all click and join the working group, um, contribute knowledge, and complete it for the uh, community. Uh, Sam, last words from your end. Yeah, there are a couple of things I wanna I wanna close out with. Number one is um. You know, if you're looking to take, put these into action, I would just start with assessing your gap for each of the pillars, understand where you're, where you're lacking, and then start with small increments for maybe take two or three pillars. Uh, don't jump into all different directions and make it into a massive project. Uh, rather take the agile approach and do it slowly. Pick a small team, do a, do a POC proof of concept, and then scale from that onward, show some success. 
Second is, you know, uh, you know we have uh, this community is, is thriving. We have a number of uh, active members in the community and CSA working groups. So reach out to me offline uh, and we'll share the contact. So, uh, you know, welcome to join this group. We encourage you to, to participate or listen in, you know, whichever way you feel, feel comfortable. And lastly, you know, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. So reach out to me, connect with me and share with me if you have anything to share or ask any questions. Perfect. Excellent. So thank you everybody for joining in. Uh, thank you, Sam, for uh, your, first of all, for your contribution to the community. Second, for an excellent po uh, podcast about uh, DevSecOps. Thank you guys and good night. Thank okay. you. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs>